Well, if you turn please to the book of Hebrews and chapter 12, I was going to continue my teaching on the blood this morning, but, uh, and if you weren't here on Wednesday, please watch the archive because it was an important message and I believe it will really help you if you'll listen to it. Amen. Brother Copeland said, we're not moved by criticism or compliment. If either get inside you, it will destroy you. Criticism makes you proud and compliment makes you discouraged. Uh, but, uh, but I've had so much feedback from Wednesday night, uh, an astonishing volume of feedback of how much it helped people. And so I, I'm, I'm not moved by that from that perspective, but I'm grateful that it was a help to people. So yes. if you didn't come on Wednesday, if you're watching and you didn't watch Wednesday, please watch the archive. It will be a blessing to you, I promise. I think that was the 22nd, wasn't it? And we're going to do part two this coming week. This Wednesday, I'm going to do part two on the blood. So come if you can, and it's always better to come. Watch if you can't. But today I, I was praying and I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to talk about keeping your eyes on Jesus. Now, this is a little bit more of a chat, more, I mean, I'm, you know, the anointing can always come to preach and, and all that stuff, and it might, it might not, but I just feel like I just wanted to talk, because when I was praying this morning early, that's when he showed me about that new service and all those kind of things, but he, I was going to talk on the blood, and he said, do that on Wednesday night, son. He said, this morning, uh, I want you to talk about keeping their eyes on me, because this is a simple message but sometimes the simplest things are not practiced. They're not practiced. And then we wonder why we fall, we fall by the wayside on some things because they're not practiced. And so we need to practice them. And I, I want you to be grateful that your pastor doesn't just pull out the sermon book. I have a sermon book and it's pretty thick. It is very thick with 30 years of sermons. And some of those sermons are, are what I call hair-raising sermons. They'll make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Some of them are jumping sermons and laughing sermons. Uh, but, but, but I notice God doesn't care much about my sermon book, even though I hold it in high esteem. God don't care much about that. Uh, he, just, he just wants us to be led by the Spirit because He knows what people need to hear at that moment. And so you need to be grateful that when you come, that I'm not just doing something that feels good, that looks good, or that that sounds good, that I'll even divert to something that might sound very simplistic and not exciting. But if that's what God wants, I want you to have confidence when you come to church, you're hearing from God. You're not just hearing the preacher's good idea. Are you listening to me? Because I'm telling you, if you know anything about churches out there, a lot of churches, the preacher comes with a good sermon but it's not because God authored it, it's because they like the sermon. And I've told the Lord, Lord, I don't care what I like and the people don't care what I like. I want what you want for this. That's what Dad Hagen would say. I want the highest flow for every service. That means you have to listen to God. That means you have to pray that I'll hear God. That means I have to spend time waiting on God so that I can hear God so that when I'm bringing something, you don't question and say, well, that was nice. You say, God is actually speaking to me through him. And he is speaking to you today through me, whether you, whether you like it or not or believe it or not, he is. Amen. Now, start with, did I say Hebrews 12? No, good, because I didn't mean it if I did. So it's actually Hebrews chapter 2. Could you look there, please? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Now the translation says, lest at any time we should let them slip away. Since your chicken is on a timer and I have lots of extra time, uh, don't worry, we're going to be out more or less on time. It says here in, in the Passion Translation, this is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths 
that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. Things can slip away so easily. Now, listen, Dad Hagen, the forerunner, the last move of God, uh, the gold standard, the platinum standard, you know, uh, with all of the, what he knew and so much that he knew he never preached because the people weren't ready for it. And with everything that he knew, and he knew a lot, every conference that he did that was extended, not just one or two nights, but that was at least a week or more, right up to the time he died, he always emphasized four things every single conference. And this is a man that could have had, he could have had four new things every conference and had 10 lifetimes and never run out of information. But he always emphasized the same four things. Now, of course, other stuff as the Spirit of God prompted. But he always talked about the love walk. He always talked about faith. He always talked about healing. And he always talked about worry. Why? I'm just trying to, I'm not focusing on those four things. I'm just saying, why did he always focus on that? You know why? Because he understands that in life, you're going to hear a lot of messages. Right? You're in church twice a week if you're faithful, or you're at least listening twice a week if you're faithful. And then if they're guest speakers, it's more than that. If it's young people, they have a service for their own age group, you know. So there's, there's multiple, plus you've got YouTube and all these different things. You hear a lot of messages. Can I, can I, can I help you if you'll listen? I hear a lot of messages. And a lot of the stuff you hear is good, and it's helpful, but not all of it needs to be memorized. And it's actually not possible to memorize it all because you hear so much. Do you understand? You can't memorize the whole Bible. You can't memorize all the truths in the Bible. So let me help you. There are certain core boxes or categories that you have to always meditate on, literally on a, if not a daily, at least a weekly basis. Because those things you need all the time. Do you understand? It's like a weapon in your arsenal. There's certain weapons you're going to need all the time. But then there's other specialty weapons that you don't need all the time, but you should kind of know them. So you kind of have a miscellaneous box, so to speak, where you're putting other things in. And it's like a mix match. It's like a soup mix. And the Holy Ghost can pull out of that miscellaneous box to your attention certain things when you need it, but they're not things you need to necessarily meditate on every week. Are you with me? I have to talk to the very basic because a lot of people, I, I know the way they talk to me, they're trying to think, they're trying to take everything that they hear everywhere. And you know what it produces? Confusion yeah. and then hopelessness yeah. because nobody can memorize everything, yeah. right? So what I do is I, I say, Lord, what are the most important things I have to constantly meditate on? Because those things is what I'm going to need in my life. And really there's there's five. Dad Hagen never emphasized one as much, but the Lord has told me and, th- and through Pastor Nancy, he's told me that I need to emphasize that. And she emphasizes it too. So he talked about four, but I add a fifth, one for each finger so I don't forget. And these four, these five I meditate on within a seven day period. I always have meditated on all of these five at least once. That means a scripture about them or just refreshing, maybe not to hear a sermon, but I'm refreshing myself about these truths, okay? Number one, and, and four of them is what Dad Hagen, why do you think Dad Hagen did that? Because they're the most important things in your life. Yeah. Amen. I remind myself all the time about the love walk, yeah. because if I get out of love, I block the flow of God's power. Faith doesn't work without love. 
you know, the Mark 11 scriptures on faith, just read verse 25, forgive your brother. If you don't walk in love, none of this faith stuff works. So walking in love is, I meditate on that on a regular basis. On faith, because faith produces everything in your life. So I meditate just on faith in general, but then I meditate on faith for healing, number three, and faith for finances. That's the box I added. Because because he said, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. So he wants the prosperity and he wants the health in our bodies. And so I'm constantly meditating on the love walk, on faith, on faith for finances, faith, faith in general, but then specifically finances and healing. And then that, uh, that other one that Dad Hagen talked about, which is a huge box. And listen, some of you need to meditate on it more. True, true, true. Is about worry. Worry and, and anxiety and fear, especially in our culture. Not just during COVID, but in general, but especially during COVID. Worry and concern. He often taught about that because without that getting grounded in your life, you'll miss things from God. Dr. Dufresne, because I didn't travel with doctor, I traveled with pastor, but Dr. Dufresne, he invited me, but I, I wasn't sensing what was vital. I wish I had gone, but I, I was looking at money. And I was looking at schedules, and then I said, Doctor, I can't go because, you know, I needed the money. for. I, I, I regret it to this day. Just if, when, the, when the prophet invites you, you just say yes. You, don't, you, don't, you borrow, put it on a credit card if you have to. You go. But I didn't know that back then. So he went with Pastor Jay and, and, and Pastor Ike and, and a few of the other wonderful ministers, and they went to Russia, and they were preaching at... Uh, at um, the church there, and, they, and, and Pastor Nancy had just done, as she always does, a masterful job in teaching on worry, and they're leaving that service. This is in St. Petersburg, and I've been there many times, and you, you come out of the thing, it's a big sanctuary, you come out and you go down this white kind of marble staircase, not marble, but it's, I don't know what it is, but it looks like marble, but you go down, it's, they don't own the building, it's this big Russian thing where the, where the what's his name? Stalin used to give speeches at that place years ago. So they rent this place, and it's very opulent and lovely. And you go down this kind of wide staircase, and then you go down again, and then you go out to the parking lot. But everything's wide there. It's not narrow. So the staircase is wider than normal. Everything's kind of dramatic, okay? And as you go down that stair, there's big, you know, big pictures on the walls and stuff. As they're walking down, they've left the sanctuary because they always leave before the people, otherwise everybody tries to stop them. And they're walking down, and Pastor Ike is at the back of the little troop, and they're walking down, they're walking, and he's the last one. And as he steps on that top step to come down that staircase, as he's walking down, Jesus, he has an open vision, and he sees Jesus with his eyes open. And Jesus was floating midair. His back was to the wall about maybe 15 feet up. Because remember, it's, everything's tall and big. The ceilings are very large. And he sees Jesus with his back to the wall, right up in front of him, maybe probably from, because the staircase is about that. So probably from me to Lorna here. And he sees Jesus and Jesus is crying. And, and, and Jesus says to him through his tears, Jesus said to him, oh, and I'm, and I'm not, there's not an exact quote, but I'm giving the gist of it because it's written down in my notes, but I'm giving the gist. But Jesus is saying, he was crying. He's saying, oh, I wish there's so much I have for my people. There's so much I want to give my people. But the main, one of the main reasons I can't is because of worry. And he was crying because he couldn't get over to the people. He couldn't meet their needs. He couldn't help them. He couldn't get them out of their problems the way he so desperately wants to, because he paid a heavy price for it. And it's our right to it, but something blocks that called worry. Now, she had just preached on worry, and that's why he appeared. That has stayed with me. 
that this area of worry and concern is such an important area for us to regularly meditate on. So I remember I'm talking to you maybe more than I am preaching to you today. Is that okay? So some time ago, this is, it's been a number of months. Because like you, it's been up and down for me. I mean, this has been a very unusual season in a lot of different areas, and I won't get into that. But a little while ago, there was, there was people in the church that were, uh, you know, disagreeing on, on certain things with me uh, about COVID and about different things. Some people want everybody to wear the mask. They want you to sleep in the mask, eat in the mask, do everything in the mask. Other people don't want any masks. Uh, you just can't please everybody because everybody's got their opinion about everything. And, and there was people that were withstanding me and that, and I gotta be honest with you, uh, some of that not just made me angry, but it hurt me. Because I, I, I felt like you're personally taking pot shots at me. And, and, and God didn't ask you to run the church, he asked me to run the church, so why don't you just shut up? And really that might sound harsh, but it's true. Your job is not to have an opinion, your job is to run with the vision. And the faster you get an opinion, the faster you'll get separated. Do you understand? Yep. No, I'm serious. Everybody says amen until the next big problem comes and then you have your opinion and then you forgot that you said amen right now. Yeah. So everybody slap yourself that you said amen so you remember that you said amen. And the next time there's a, don't have an opinion. You can have an opinion in your house, but you don't have an opinion in this house. This is not your house, this is God's house. And he didn't author you to author, he didn't author you to lead, he authored me to lead it. And I'm not perfect by a long shot. Greg tells me that every day. He sends me regular updates on text. You're not perfect. You're not perfect. Amen, brother, I know. I don't make every right decision, but I'm trying. And so when people, that kind of hurt me, and you know what happened, Greg? Uh, you know, because I told you a little bit about it. What happens was, here I am, I'm talking symbolically now, but I've got my eyes on the Lord, and I'm believing God for things. And then all of a sudden, somebody gives me a gut punch. And I do that. What do I do? When you get physically punched in the stomach, what do you do? Do you keep looking up? You go down. It's a defensive survival mechanism. And with that gut punch, I put my head down. Symbolically, I'm talking about. And what do I do? I'm not looking at the person that punched me. And then I'm thinking, how could they do that? They've been around for a long time. They've been faithful in the past. They've been kind in the past. Why are they doing that? And then, and then, and then I, I try to work my way through the emotions, pay attention to that word, the emotions of that. And then I'm okay. And then everything's fine. And then something else happens and it punches me in the other side. And I look down. Now that could be a personal situation. It could be a financial situation. It could be whatever. And, and you know that feeling. And then I'm trying, to, I'm trying to assess and work through the process of emotions of this problem. Well, just like, okay, now he didn't say nothing to me because God expects you to not have to baby you all the time. But just a little while ago, like a week ago, uh, some, somebody in the con I, I won't say what and I won't say because then they may know and I don't want to hurt anybody. But somebody, they didn't even say to me, they said it through somebody who came to me and they were undermining a base foundational doctrine. I mean base, I won't tell you what the doctrine is, but a very simple, basic, like what you build the floor on. They were, and they said something against that doctrine and kind of almost like a mocking of me for saying that doctrine. And this person's been around with us almost as long as we've had the church and has been faithful as the day is long. And I love this person. And I am, I would even say that I have an affinity with this person. And then this thing out of the left field, 
And I'm telling you, I felt like it went right through my heart. I don't know how to explain it to you. It felt, I felt like it pierced right through my heart. And, and I, it just kind of when I just it ruined that part of the day for me. And I just, I just went by myself and I just said, Lord, I said, what the, what, what's wrong with these people? I was going to say what the frig, but you're not supposed to say frig or freak or any kind of thing with an F apparently because it sounds too much like the bad F word. But I do say frig or freak. Freak is my favorite. What the freak? Peak friends, you know, sometimes say what the peak friend. And I said, Lord, what, what is going on here? This is not right. This is not fair. This person should know better. And yes, they didn't say it to me. They probably don't know. But of course, people tell me. And it really, really hurt me and really angered me. It wasn't against me personally, but it hurt me because I'm connected to this flow and this ministry and everything. And I'm preaching these doctrines. I'm telling you, it just, it was a gut punch. You ever heard of below the belt? They hit me below the belt. That's how I felt. And I doubled over symbolically. And I'm reeling from that. Now, let me, let me give you some advice because <laughs> there's going to be good times. I don't care what any of the motivational people say. There's going to be good times and there's going to be bad times. It's part of life. Not every minute is on the mountaintop. Then a guest speaker comes, you think that they live on the mountaintop because that's all that they talk about most of the time. But people, no matter how big they are in the gospel or how many letters behind the name or how big they are in the ministry, no matter what office they stand in, they all have peaks and valleys. Not everybody talks about their valleys because it's not fun to talk about. It's better to talk about the peaks. But let me tell you, if I don't talk about the valleys and you're going through the valley, how are you going to know how to handle the valley? That's why you have a pastor. Because I'm not just making everything sound so easy. I'm telling you that I go through things just like you. That's why I talk this way, because I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to be, oh, I'm so holy. If you touch me, oh, don't wash your hand for a week because you touched the holy garment. I'm just a regular person just like you. I'm going through things just like you. I'm trying to show you that there's a way through this called faith. There's a way through this called the help of God. And we all go through these hard times. And I, and I'm, I felt it. And so let me give you some advice. When you're going through the hard time, if you can remember one simple thing, you'll get out of the hard time. But it's amazing how many people don't remember this. Keep your prayer closet open. I got Jesus on the main line. That's the song, Taylor, I was talking about at the 9 o'clock and I couldn't remember what it was. That's, Jer- that's Jimmy Swagger. I got Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. You knew it. That's scary that you knew it. Taylor didn't know what I was talking about. I should have had Sandy and that's everything. She would have known what I'm talking about. Ever remember that song? Jesus on the main line. <laughs> None of the nine o'clock people knew anything we were talking about. That's why it's a better service at the 11. They all know. You're a bunch of geeks. You were back in the 60s and you know what I'm talking about. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus the, it's, like a, it's like a telephone line. I'm telling you, that's why they sang that. It's like a telephone line. Your prayer closet is a direct line to heaven. The problem is when you're frustrated and hurt and abandoned and rejected and stressed and upset, you hang up the phone. Not that you walk away from God and you lose your salvation. I don't mean that. I mean, but you stop talking to him. Keep Jesus on the main line. Thank you, Mary Chris. You should come and dance for us since you're anointed to dance. 
I can just see her. She's wiggling in her seat. Jesus on the main line. Taylor, learn that song. I know you know what you'll play at the end of service. Praise God. My prayer closet, Jenny, is the main line. And if people would just stay in the closet of prayer when they're going through it, God can get you out of anything. Don't hang up the phone. So thank God, I'm not that smart, Greg, but at least I know enough not to hang up the phone. And I went into my prayer closet and I started talking to the Lord. And I just said, Father, you said to pour out my heart to you. That's what it is when it says, you know, in, in, in Philippians 4, it says, pour out, pray the prayer, pour out your heart, supplicate, tell them every detail. And I just started telling them, you can't always tell people every detail because they'll misunderstand your heart. But you can tell God and he understands your frustration. And I said, Lord, I, I'm, I'm not only upset, but I'm hurt, but I'm angry. I'm just spitting mad. How could this person say something like that? I was upset. And I heard, and see, I got the main line open. Now, you're talking so much, at times, be quiet so he can answer. Yeah. He can't get a word in edgewise half, with half of us. But I heard the voice of the Lord. He spoke to me in that prayer closet. I heard a voice, and he said, you're looking at the people. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're like ants. They're like bugs. <laughs> they're everywhere. What do you mean I'm looking at the people? And he said to me, he said, uh, Moses looked at the people. I told him to speak to the rock. He was frustrated with the people. If you read the Bible, he was frustrated because he said he called them rebels. He said, what have I got to do with you rebels? He was you bunch of jerks. You're rebel. You're rebellious. You're grieving me. And God told him what to do. He didn't listen because of his frustration because he was looking at the people and he hit the rock and said, speak to it and it cost him his future. And I'm telling you, God, I mean, God rebuked me, Brother Greg. Uh, and when you're going through something hard, you don't really want to rebuke on top of what you're going through. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever notice that that's like, but, I, but it, uh, God is such an amazing father. He will correct and rebuke you, but in a way that almost makes you thank him for the hiding. I, I don't know how he does it, but he does it so kindly. And yet, you know, it's a correction, but without it, you would be even further away. Not every natural parent is that skillful. But God is skillful. And he said to me, you are frustrated with the people like Moses because you are looking at them and at all their shenanigans. And he said, if you keep this up, he said, you will disobey me like Moses did and it will cost you your future like it cost Moses. Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying the mantle and what it's supposed to accomplish is at stake based on me looking at people's nonsense. Sure, sure. Now, Greg, in all the months, it's been now 12 months and two weeks since the mantle came. He's never once told me that something, the mantle was hinging on something. This is the first time since the mantle came where he used the mantle almost not as a threat, but as a, if you don't listen, it's going to hurt this mantle and the future. He's never said that once in 12 months. It's like I got away the whole year and he didn't let me know that anything I was doing was jeopardizing the mantle. This is the first time, Willie, that he said, and this is just last week, he said, you are looking at the people and you are frustrated with the people like Moses was. And when Moses got frustrated, he disobeyed me. And when he disobeyed me, it cost him his future. And you're frustrated. And if you don't stop this, you're going to do something that disobeys me and it's going to cost you your future. The mantle is at stake. Stop looking at the people and their shenanigans. 
That's very hard for a pastor that's surrounded by sheep. Do you understand? I didn't share that part in the first service because I didn't think they weren't pulling on me like you're pulling on me. No, I'm serious. Revelation won't come out if people don't put a draw on it. But I can feel the draw this morning, so I'm sharing a little bit more than I shared in the first service. But I'm telling you, that's what he said to me. And it shocked me, and it's kind of scared me, not in a bad way, but a sober way, that I realized, oh, my Lord, this is the first time you've told me that something I'm doing is effect, could, 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 could jeopardize that precious future that we have, that calling, the thing that we have. This is the first time you've told me that. I better really pay attention. And he took me to this scripture. Not this one. What did I read you? Chapter 2. I'm just reading you. It's so easy to let things slip away. But he took me to Hebrews chapter 12. Can you read there, please? I started with it slips away because it's so easy to let these things slip. This is not revolutionary to keep your eyes on Jesus. You sing songs. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Come on, Taylor. And the things of earth will grow strange. Lead them in the light of his glory. And now we sing that. We don't really believe it. We don't really do it. I'm telling you the truth about it because I've just, this is fresh. I've just experienced it this week. Now all of us have experienced it, but I mean, this is extra fresh. I baked bread out of the oven. It is astonishing how things of earth, which is whatever you're going through, and that could be a variety of different things, somehow lose their luster, lose their voice, lose that squeaky wheel that wants to get your attention. It's like it loses its sound, it loses its interest, it, lo- it just grows dim. Really, it's true. That's a, not just a fun thing to sing. That is a true statement. But never, it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And the Lord said, you're looking at the people. What's he saying? And then he took me to this verse. And if you read with me, please, in Hebrews chapter 12, let's start in verse 1. And it says here, Wherefore, seeing that we are both compassed about the greater cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, the throne of God. Now watch. For consider him. What is the words consider him? It's the same word as looking unto Jesus. You could say the same phrase a second time. He's just putting it in a different English phraseology. But to say looking unto Jesus and then consider him, consider means to look. He's saying it twice so that you don't miss it. Look unto Jesus. And then he says consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Watch, 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 watch. See the word lest? This is conditional. Look at him. Because if you don't, you will be wearied and faint in your minds. What's he saying? I'm telling you, Errol, it's like God came into that prayer closet and he said, he rebuked me. And then he said, open your Bible. My word will answer this for you. And he took me to these two scriptures, Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. And he said, I told you both times so that you wouldn't miss it the first time. Look at me. And you are looking at people and their disappointments. Because while some please, many disappoint. And he said, if you, are you listening? If you look at, if you don't look at me, look at me lest you get weary. In other words, if you're weary, you're not looking at me. 
If you're fainting and weak in your mind and your thoughts are messed up, you're not looking at me. This is the great litmus test. If you want to know if you're looking at Jesus, are you weary? If you're weary, you're not. If you're not weary, you probably are. Is your mind strong? Is your thoughts, as a man thinks in his heart and speaks with his mouth, so is he. Is your thinking right? Are you tired and fainting in your thought life? Well, I don't know about that. Then you're not looking at him. And he said to me, now he rebuked me. He said, if you don't listen to me, you're gonna, if you keep being frustrated, you're go, in other words, I haven't, but you're going to disobey. It's inevitable. And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna upset the apple cart for your future. He said, I'm warning you now, so you'll make the adjustment. I said, Lord, I'll make it right now. And remember, when I went into that clear closet, I've had a below the belt hit. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling disappointed. I'm feeling betrayed. To be honest with you, that's a betrayal. For somebody that's been with me 12 years to say something like that, that's just a betrayal. It's a betrayal against God because they were speaking against his word, but it's also speaking against me because I preach that a lot. What they talk about, I preach about a lot. And so I was, I was not in the mood for a lecture. I was in the mood for God to comfort me, but sometimes the correction does comfort you. And he said to me, you're looking at the people. Moses got frustrated because he looked at the people. And I told him, he disobeyed, it cost him his future. If you don't be careful, this will jeopardize the mantle. He said, stop looking at the people. Put your eyes, like we sing, it's so simple, but it's so profound. Look at me. And I said, because I'm just a simple guy, I said, how do I do that when I'm feeling this pain? Because it feels so hurtful, Jenny. Now, I'm not talking about that. There's other things. Sometimes things with your kids can hurt. Sometimes things with your spouse can hurt. Sometimes somebody takes a slight against you at work and you hear them talking about you and it cuts you. Sometimes your friend, you thought they were your friend and you realize that they're not and it hurts you. And the devil will use the closest people because he knows it cuts the deepest. And if he can't find somebody closer, use somebody from the outside because he just wants you to cut. He wants you to bleed. You know what I'm talking about. And that's just people. What about financial things that go wrong and you're concerned? What about health things? You show up and there's a new wake and a new bump and you don't know where either of them came from and they don't seem to be leaving. And the devil says, that's a tumor. You're going to die. I mean, I'm talking about anything that you face that is negative. It can bring, are you listening? It can bring a sense of emotion. You feel emotions at it. It makes you feel. That's what I'm saying. We are, we got to be very careful how much you're feeling based. Because all this stuff makes you feel something. But spiritual realm activity does not operate on the realm of feelings. It operates on the realm of trust and faith and believing God despite how you feel. Which is why Smith Wigglesworth's most famous quote of all the quotes he ever did was, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what I believe. I'm moved by the word of God. How many of us are moved Shaken by what we feel and what we see. But that's of the soul realm. Emotions are of the soul. It's not of your spirit. Your spirit has faith and trust, but your soul doesn't feel it. I'm trying to help you. So when that gut punch hit me and I felt the pain, what have I done? I took my eyes off him and I looked at the problem. I looked at it. 
Now, what I should have done is looked right back up, but I didn't because the pain. And I kept looking at the problem. And the more you look at the problem, the more you start feeling dejected, the more you start feeling discouraged, the more the devil starts telling you that you should just quit and da da da. Or you get angry. There's a lot of emotions that you'll feel. Sometimes it's different based on the situation. But the point is, you kept your eyes on that issue. And you're in the soul feeling realm at that point. You're out of the spiritual faith realm. And when you do that, you're going to make a mistake. And so I heard the Holy Ghost say, I'll help you, son. The next time that this happens and you feel this so intensely, he said, I want, he said, now do a physical action to help remind you a physical action. Okay, it's symbolic, but it's still a reminder to me. He said, when that happens and you're going through it, he said, I want you, you don't have to do this, it's not a doctrine. I'm just saying it helps me remember. He said, put your head, physically put your head up. As, an, as, as kind of an action to remind yourself that while my head is looking up, which doesn't really matter because all I'm seeing is the ceiling, my heart is looking up. Amen. The eyes of my heart are looking up. Yes. I am that moment when I do that action, I, and you can pick your own action if you want, but that's my action. I said, he said, put your head up like this and look up to the sky. And he said, it, but don't just do that with your head. In your heart, look up to me. Make a decision. I refuse to meditate or think. Just because a thought comes doesn't mean I have to think it. Amen. I'm the boss of my mind, yeah. not my emotions. My spirit controls what goes on up here, not my emotions. Yeah. Just because a thought comes doesn't mean I'm obligated to think it. Yeah. Just because a feeling comes doesn't mean I'm obligated to feel it. Right. While I feel it so intensely when the hit comes, I have a choice to look up. And, and the Lord said, now look up physically, put your eyes of your heart up and say out of your mouth, Lord, I look to you. I will not look at this situation, at this betrayal, at this problem, at this lump, at this financial strain. I will not look. I'm looking to you because if I, if I focus on this with my mind, I get emotional. But if I look at you with my heart, I'll stay in faith. I trust you that you will deal with that person. I trust you that you will fix those financial problems, that you will heal this thing in my body. I trust you and I will not engage by getting in the emotional realm by looking. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? And we've all sung that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, many times. We know it. We memorize it. You sang without getting him to look up your sheet music. And some of you even knew the mainline song, which really impresses me. But the thing is, Jenny, we can let it slip away. And I know this. I know this. But see, I've let it slip away. How do I know I've let it slip away? Because I become weary. And I become fainting in my mind. And then I know I'm not looking at him. So even since that situation, something else happened that was worse. It's been a wonderful Christmas week for me. Something happened that was at least maybe three to four times worse than that situation in the last 72 hours that happened. I won't say what, that's not the point. The point is, is that, I mean, it was a, it was a below the belt, then a liver shot, then a kidney shot, and then an upper up right, right hook. And I felt myself crumble. I felt myself. I mean, it devastated me for about an hour. And I, w- I went to my room and I crawled in that bed and, and I'm not, I don't like to share too much you don't know what it is, but I actually started to cry. I mean, I don't ever cry. And I started to cry. I mean, I was so hurt. And, and I heard the Lord say, son, son, he's so kind. He's so kind. He didn't yell at me. He kind of yelled at me in the prayer closet, but he didn't yell at me when I was in bed. He said, son, I heard him whisper. I said, yes. He said, you remember what I told you? 
He said, look at me. I said, it hurts too bad to look at you. He said, no, it hurts too bad to look at what you're facing. Lift up your eyes and look at me. And I remember I looked up and I said, Lord, I look at you and I trust you. And this situation that I don't know how to fix, and I've got so many emotions, I don't even know how to count them all. I'm going, I refuse to think about it. I refuse to feel and get in the emotional realm about it. I look to you, and I'm going to engage my heart now in faith. I trust that you will fix it. Yes. And immediately, I felt that pressure start to lift off me. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm telling you the truth about it. I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you exactly the truth. Very few times have it, has, have the, are things that bad. But he told me this year there'll be tremendous revelation. The waters of Jordan will open. And he said this year will be tremendous obstacles. And I've never, we've never, Jenny and I have never in our whole life ever have faced what we face this year on many different levels. And it didn't stop. I thought it would stop when the mantle came. <laughs> it, it kept continuing into Christmas week. But that's okay. I'm not complaining. Because I'm learning how to handle it. Yeah. Let me tell you, the problem's going to come. Yeah. People lose a spouse. And it guts them. And it devastates them. And they feel like I'll never be able to survive. I'll never be able to have joy again. My spouse died. You keep looking at it. I'm not trying to make light. But the longer you focus, you're in the soul realm and the feelings overwhelm you. Lift up the eyes of your heart. That's, when I say that, what you're doing is you're focusing on your spirit, man. And you're saying, Lord, I look to you and I trust you. In this pain, you will sustain me. You will help me. In fact, you took my grief and my pain. And you've got somebody else for me, if that's what his plan is. I'm just talking about the spousal thing because I use that as an example. Or whatever it is, but Lord, I look to you. You, you, you got help for me right now. You lose somebody in your business, your, your client list, somebody, you know, and you need that sale to make the budget. And you feel that, <gasps> how am I going to do? You have an unexpected expense. <gasps> look, I look to you. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get emotional. I'm not going to focus. I'm not going to think about it and obsess about it. I look to you. Now, that, I'm, you take this too far, and then you don't think about it at all, and then you don't pay the bill, and they turn your lights off. I'm not talking about where you're totally in the ditch. I'm saying... Don't get in the ditch where you don't think about it at all and you don't do practical action, but don't get in the other ditch where all you're doing is thinking about it and focusing on it and feeling hurt. Stay in the middle of the road and say, Lord, I'll deal with it as you show me, but I'm looking to you. It's so simple, Jenny. This is not complex, but it was such revelation to me. This simple thing, James, that we all know. How many times have you heard? Millions of times probably. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It's got so much, I almost like it's like, we don't even, it's like God bless you. But what are you saying? Now the sinners are saying God bless you. What are you talking about? You don't even know God. How can you ask God to bless me when you you don't even know him? You hear Oprah say God bless you. That really cheeses me off. (laughs) Who's Oprah's right to say God bless you? She thinks she's her own God. She's leading millions of people into darkness. Thinking, no, into new age. She's totally into new age. Big time. And you should say, God bless you. It's like, what, who do you think you are? What God are you talking about? Because it's not my God. You don't know my God. You don't have a right to say, God bless me. I, I just get angry. It's got become so commonplace. Just look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. It's like saying, God bless you. And we don't even really know what we're saying. I'm telling you, my brother and sister, no matter what you face, if you focus on it, if you look at it, 
If you get into the emotional soul realm about it, it doesn't help. You've got to turn the eyes of your heart. You've got to look at him. What is that? You're saying, I trust you. You are going to help these emotions subside. You are, my spirit will overwhelm my soul and all this hurt feeling will dissipate. You are going to give me the way out. If this person has done something, you are going to raise up somebody new to replace them. Whatever the situation is, he's got an answer for it, but he can't get the answer if you're looking at the problem. Do you remember our scripture? Since it's only 12.50 and I have 10 minutes. Do you remember our scripture? Everybody, nobody in this church likes Chantel. Did you know that? <laughs> nobody likes her. Because she always says, keep going, and I can feel Greg going, don't say that! But Chantel, I like you, and Jesus likes you. So you just say it, even though Reverend Greg is in sharp disagreement. <laughs> don't say it! Revelation, uh, Jeremiah 17, 8, for he shall be, this is the pandemic verse he gave me at the beginning of COVID, for he shall be a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out a root by the roots by the river. And now watch, and shall not see, see. That word see in the Hebrew means consider. Remember what the word is? Remember Hebrews 12, 3, consider him. It means look at. That's where you said, that's where it says see here and shall, and shall not see or look at when the heat or attack comes. But her leaves shall be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. But you'll not cease yielding fruit. What's the condition? Where you look, if you look at the heat, you will be anxious in the year of drought. And your leaf will go brown and you will stop yielding fruit. But if you don't look, it all comes as to where you look, my brother and sister. It comes to where you look. Where you look. Where are you looking when the heat comes? Where are you looking when the attack comes? Lift up the eyes. Hallelujah. And I, and I, I quoted it, but because we were rushing, I couldn't, I couldn't share it. So just quickly turn to the book of 2 Chronicles 12, verse, verse 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 20. That can't be it. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. And, and this guy, Jehoshaphat, he's got, a, he's got a lot of problems. Is this Jehoshaphat, or did I write the whole thing down wrong? Taylor. Is it? That's, it is it. Remember, they're all surrounding him. He's in a big problem. And by the way, the people, the Assyrians, the people that were surrounding him, if you study history, they were one of the most cruel nations on earth. When they killed you, it wasn't just a nice little killing. They would torture people before they killed them. They would burn them alive. They would put them on stakes. Some of them would boil, they'd boil them in water. I mean, it was a horrific death. The woman knew rape was coming, guaranteed. I'm telling you, it was like, this is not just winning a battle. This is our life and potential torture. Can you imagine how stressed they must have been? And watch what he says. Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither do we know what to do. How many of us can say that? But our eyes are on you. Oh, my God. What he's saying is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I am looking unto you. I don't know how to fix this. And I'm struggling. 
and I got all these emotions, but I know by looking at them with their troops, it's not going to help me. I lift up the eyes of my heart and I look at you. And God likes that because what is that? He's saying, you trust me. You trust me. I'm going to fix it for you. And he starts pulling apart. He starts pulling off all this pressure that's on you and all that hurt and all the betrayal and all those feelings. I'm telling you, this is a, a important that I preach it. I guess it's important I put it on record because when he warns me about the mantle, which he hasn't done once since, but when he does, it's important that I talk about it. And for my own sake, even not necessarily for your sake, but for my sake, it's important that I put it on record because God wants me to take this very seriously. And he said to me, you're not going to come into a, there's always people that are going to let you down. There's people that you think, Jenny, you know, in 13 years of this church, people that we thought would never, ever leave. It's amazing. And people that we thought would leave for sure. I could have put a thousand dollar bet and they're still here faithful. And you think, how do you figure this? Because it's based on people's hearts. And you can't tell people's hearts by the way they come and smile at you and lift their hands. Only God sees the heart. But God's surrounded us with faithful, good-hearted people, and we're all on a journey. And sometimes within that company of faithful, good people, people make mistakes. Just like I make mistakes. And, 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 and sometimes it can hurt each other. It can hurt you. It can hurt me. But we can't let that, we can't meditate on that. It will destroy us. We've got to look at him and say, Father, help me. You're dealing with sinners at work. There's a lot of people, that their God's not even your God. There's going to be hurt. There's a lot of good people, but there's a lot of people that will mistake, take advantage and hurt and try to step on you to climb the corporate ladder, slander you, lie about you, use you, abuse you. I'm telling you, that's why we've got to keep our... This, I know I'm a broken record, Jenny, but it's so real to me. When I'm going through these hardships, and they are hardships sometimes, and you are as well, lift up the eyes of your heart. I look up physically just to remind myself, heart, look up. Look at Jesus. He has never let me down, ever. You know, a lot of people walked away from God when Jimmy Swaggart fell because they had their eyes on Jimmy Swaggart. They didn't have their eyes on Jesus. My sister backslid away from God when she was at Evangel Temple because there was a, a young adult split in the church. People were sleeping with each other and lying about each other and slandering. And she said, this is Jesus? I, this is God. I don't want it. And I said to her, Shannon, this is not God. This is people. Yeah, but they say that they're, that they're Christians. Well, lots of people say that they're Christians. It doesn't mean that they do everything right. You can't look at the hypocrisy of people and then leave Jesus over it. Jesus never did anything to you but die for you. But no matter how much sometimes you tell people, they won't stop looking at the failure of the Christians around them and then they judge the master for it and then they walk away from the master. So from a, a larger perspective of salvation, don't ever look at the failure of people and judge Jesus. You, just to stay in the kingdom, you've got to keep your eyes on him. But now on a daily basis, I'm not talking about general salvation. No, but if you just keep looking at the things that are frustrating you, marriages, if you just keep looking, what you'll do is you'll henpeck. What you do is you'll, a wall will form in your heart. I'm speaking by the Spirit to some of you, so you better listen. A wall will form in your heart. Well, the, the, my spouse doesn't listen anyway. I've asked them a hundred times to change, and they won't listen anyway. So, what, so you become hopeless, and a wall forms, and then you distance yourself from them. I'm telling you, this is the truth. What's the answer to that? The problem is you're looking at their failure. You're looking at them. But they're my spouse. I know they're your spouse. This congregation is also my sheep. I know what they're doing, some of them.
but I have a choice whether I meditate emotionally on what they're doing or whether I look at the Lord. You've got to learn to lift up your eyes even from your spouse and look at the Lord and say, Father, you know this is wrong, how they're treating me. I'm asking you, I trust you to speak to my spouse. If they won't listen, give them a dream. Let me tell you, there's some people that are so stubborn and they either don't know how to hear God or they won't hear God. And their life sometimes hangs in the balance in the church. And, and I talk to them and they won't listen. And I talk to them and they won't listen. And my last resort is always give them a dream. It's amazing how God does it. Greg, it's astonishing. And they'll come and they say, I had a dream. And I saw this, this dragon or I saw this thing or some negative, what we would conjure as a negative image. And I saw it trying to hurt me or attack me or whatever. Oh, I don't know if that's spiritual. And I'll say, you better believe that's spiritual. I've been praying that you'd have a dream. What are you talking about? Is it spiritual or not? You're so dense, you won't listen to the preached word. You won't listen to the Holy Ghost speaking on the inside of you. You won't listen to the counseling session when I look at you and I say, please don't do this. So there's only one way to bypass your conscious rebellious mind. And that is to give you a dream while your conscious is down. And I can't tell you how many people that, that over the years, God's given them divine dreams. And some of them reject the dreams and they still mess it up. But others of them, if they had any smarts, they would say, oh my gosh, God's actually communicating me. But don't tap yourself on the back like, oh, look, I had a dream. You should be embarrassed. Because for God to have to give you a dream, he can't communicate to you any other way. In most cases. I'm not saying in every case. God gave Joseph a dream. God gave many people in the Bible dreams. I'm not saying dreams mean you're a failure. I'm saying in terms of correction, when God's been trying to get people's attention and he can't get to them, the last resort is when the subconscious is subdued. Because now your mind is quiet. The rest of the time your mind is buzzing like a beehive. But in your dream state, God can plant thoughts by the Holy Ghost in your mind because you won't reject them because you're sleeping. Now we have to divide the divine dreams from the domino dreams. Because dominoes with extra cheese give you dreams like nothing else. But we don't want domino dreams. We want divine dreams. So now don't go and say every dream you've had is God speaking to you. Okay? Because it's not. I'm saying sometimes God rescues people through dreams because he's trying to get over to them and answer. So even if your spouse and you are struggling, just love them. Don't speak against them. Don't henpeck them. Don't be against them. Sometimes you have to leave. I'm not talking about extreme cases where now the marriage is over. I'm talking about when you're working through it and both parties are more or less open. Lift up your eyes. Say, Lord, I don't know what to do. And this thing seems to be great against me, but my eyes are on you. I look to you, Jesus. Not in my emotional. I look to you. I trust you. Help me. Help them. Speak to them. Speak to me. I humble myself. I need to change. Change me. And if they need to change, I know you'll get it. Even if you have to give them a dream, you'll change them. But Lord, my eyes are on you. I'm telling you, Greg, it works. I feel this pressure start to lift off me every time, any time it starts to come, I just go, I actually physically, I look up, I say, Lord, I'm doing this as an act, I'm an act, it's a symbolic act, but my heart is looking at you. It's going to be okay. You're with me. You're working it out. People don't listen. You'll bring new people. People attack me and leave. You'll replace them. Praise God. If my wife is messing up, which she isn't, but if she is, you'll speak to her because she loves you. My children are messing up. You'll speak to them because they love you. Praise God. This is simple, Jenny. It's simple. It's simple, Taylor. But keep your eyes up. As we enter 22, keep your eyes up. You know when people come in the counseling room? Do you know the only reason they come? And I'm not knocking. Some people are so overwhelmed. They are so beaten down. They can't look up. They feel they can't look up. They can, but they feel they can't. 
All I'm doing, look down like you're mournful. All I'm doing, <laughs> which usually you are, but anyway, all, 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 I'm, all I'm doing, all I'm doing when in the counseling session, when they're talking to me, I'm just doing this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, all, that, that's my only job. Let's look, what does the Bible say? I know you're telling me all these awful things that have happened to you, but what, what does the Bible say? And, and, and Jesus is stronger than all that, and Jesus has an answer for all that. And I know you feel like he doesn't, but he only feels because you're in your soul. But if you look up, you'll get into your spirit. You'll get into it. All I'm doing is lifting up. And, and if I can, if they keep pushing down, I can't help them. But if when they leave, they leave looking up, they can have an answer. That's my only job is to get there. When you come here, you're coming to a group counseling session. All I'm doing is say, look up. No matter what I preach about, I'm still saying, look up. I'm just now actually saying to you today, look up. No matter what you're facing, it's not the end of the world. Look up. And if it is the end of the world, look up. You might as well, because you're going to go to heaven anyways. You might as well look up. Right? Father, I thank you that we look up. You said to me, don't look at the people. They will disappoint you as much as they will please you. Look at me. I will never disappoint you. Jesus, I know that if we look at our spouse, our children, our friends, our co-workers, they can at times disappoint us as much as they can please us. But Jesus, you will never disappoint us. So when we're going through these difficult times and we're having to navigate the minefield of life, let us not look at the problem, look at the heat, and get into the soul, emotional, feeling realm all the time. Let us look to you by faith, get into our spirit, and say, Lord, I trust you. You are going to give me an answer, a solution. You're going to come on the scene. You're going to touch that person's heart. You're going to remove that situation. You're going to fix it because you love me. And you said that you are the author and you are the finisher, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. Lord, if you started something, you want to end it. You didn't just start it in me so that it will fail. You started it in me so that it will finish. So, Father, I thank you that as I look to you, you finish it. I'm not going to grow weary. I'm going to look to you. I'm not going to faint in my mind. I'm going to look to you. And you're going to start it, and you're going to finish it. Now, I say by the Spirit that some of you, you're trying to do business things, but you won't look at Jesus. If you look to Jesus and spend more time with him, he'll start some things. He'll author things in your life. And some of you that he's authored some stuff and you want it to complete, if you just keep looking to him, you give him the, the, you give him the permission, so to speak, to finish what he started. He wants to start it, but he wants to finish it. He can't if you're looking down. You've got to put your eyes and your heart on him. People will fail you. Even spouses can let you down. The closest ones to you can hurt you, but Jesus never does. Look to him and you will live a much more peaceful, joyful life. Father, I bless you. I've done your, my job, Father. You asked me to share this simple yet profound message. Dad Hagen focused on these four areas, Lord. I meditate on five areas every week. There's many other things I hear, and I put them in a miscellaneous box for you to draw them out as you will, Holy Ghost. But I'm always meditating on healing and on faith, on finances. I'm always meditating on the love walk and on worry. And Lord, this message is really about the worry box because the more we concern ourselves with problems, the less you can help us. You cry like you showed, Pastor Ike. You want so badly to help us, but worry, keeping our eyes on the problem, robs you from being able to fix it. Lord, let us meditate on keeping our eyes on you, which is trust and not being afraid, and it will turn to our good. 
In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you. Lord, I know we had a small crowd today because of Christmas, but I thank you for the ones that are here, and I thank you for the ones that came at nine, and I thank you for the ones that are watching right now, and for the ones that will watch later after their work is over or their family plans are over. Let this congregation know how much Jenny and I love them, and more importantly, how much you love them, Jesus. And you've got an answer on the main line for them. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen.